One last segment. Welcome back. We are joined right now by a national college football host for On3. Also the host of the Andy Staples On3 podcast. Previously served as a senior writer for The Athletic and Sports Illustrated. Of course, I'm talking about Andy Staples joins us via Zoom. Andy, what's going on, man? How are you? Oh, my bad. I was led to believe you were on Zoom. What's up, dude? How you doing? What's up? I, I can be on Zoom now? I can see your beautiful face? We got, we got to I know. I thought we would. Up. I thought we did. I thought we would. My bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. My bad. It's good to have you back, dude. Thanks so much. Let me ask you first about Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan gets Ohio State again. And, Andy, they did so this time without Jim Harbaugh there. How damaging is the loss to Ryan Day? And then how much worse is it given that, well, Harbaugh wasn't there? So much worse. Because as the Ohio State coach, you are judged by, one, do you compete for national championships, and two, do you beat Michigan? And question two is actually more important than question one. Like, ask John Cooper. He went 2-10-1, two, two, and that was in an era without the Internet. I think if the Internet and social media had existed when John Cooper coached there, his tenure probably would have been cut in half. So Ryan Day is in a, in a spot where he inherited a dominant streak against Michigan. He won the first meeting. They didn't play the second year. And now he's lost three in a row. And to make matters worse, you know, depending on who you believe, you know, Ohio State may have had something to do with, with Michigan getting turned in and, and Jim Harbaugh being suspended. If that actually happened, that's the, the biggest case of getting hoisted by your own petard that I've ever seen. Like, him losing to not Jim Harbaugh is so much worse than losing to Jim Harbaugh. It's extremely well said. When you put it that way, Andy Staples is joining us. I would agree. Let me move on quickly. What about Alabama, Andy, beating Auburn on a fourth and 31 miracle to win the Iron Bowl? I mean, we've learned to expect the unexpected in the Iron Bowl, but that keeps their college football playoff hopes alive. Now the Tide gets the two-time defending champs, Georgia, in the SEC title game. How do you see this matchup? What do you think it comes down to? Well, the conventional wisdom is if Alabama had that much trouble beating this Auburn team, they have no chance against Georgia. But all you have to do is look back two years and, and remember Alabama going four overtimes with a pretty blah Auburn team and then beating Georgia, a better Georgia team, in the SEC championship the next week. So I am now at this point, I have no idea what's going to happen because after that play, and the only thing I think we really truly learned from that play is never just rush two. Send the normal amount of pass rushers no matter the circumstance. That's the rule from here on out. But as far as Alabama and Georgia go, it, Jim, you know, Georgia played not at full strength against Georgia Tech. They looked like uh, they were a little sleepy. I think we're going to see a full strength Georgia on Saturday in Atlanta. But again, count out Nick Saban in this situation at your own peril. And if Alabama wins that game, the college football playoff scenarios go into a really weird place, especially if Texas wins too. Because remember, Texas is sitting there with a head-to-head win against Alabama. So uh, the, I'm sure the playoff committee members are sitting there going, please let Georgia win so that our decisions can be easy. Because if Nick Saban wins this game, it's going to get real complicated. You know, it's funny to say that. We were just having that same conversation off the air, that if Georgia were to lose that game, then what? Then what? Like, as an example, what about Florida State? Like, Florida State relies mm-hmm. on their defense and running back Trey Benson. They beat Florida without their star quarterback, Jordan Travis. What if they're 13-0, and 
but they don't have their star player. And what a jacked up situation that is. Is there any way the committee would look at Florida State and say, yeah, well, they don't have their best player, therefore they're not worthy? I think if Georgia wins against Alabama, I don't, I don't foresee that situation happening. I, I think if Georgia wins and Florida State is 13-0, and Florida State is in the playoff. They're not going to leave out a 13-0 and Power 5 Conference champ in that situation. If Georgia loses, like I said, because Texas having that win against Alabama complicates things, the other part of it that would complicate things is 12-1 and Georgia. Because remember, the committee's charge is for best, not for most deserving, not for best resumes, for best teams. If you gave truth serum to every member of the committee, even if Georgia loses to Alabama and said, who's the best team in America, they're still going to say Georgia. Like, Vegas would favor Georgia over every other team in the country in the playoffs. So that's the part that really complicates it, is now the teams vying for number four are going to be judged against Georgia in that situation. And I think, more than likely, Georgia's going to win in that one. Andy Staples is joining us. And Andy, also the coaching carousel. Man, this thing is wild and spinning already. What is your reaction to Texas A&M paying Jimbo Fisher 75 mil to go away and then coming back and hiring his former assistant, Mike Elko? We know Elko's a hell of a coach. Do you like that hire? I do. I do. And, you know, it's interesting because people keep asking me, what's the difference between hiring Mike Elko and hiring Mark Stoops, the Kentucky coach, who they were walking down the aisle with on Saturday night. And then the, the Texas A&M Board of Regents, looked at the contract is like, mm, I don't know about this. And Mark Stoops is like, well, maybe I'll just stay at Kentucky. Uh, I think the, the deal is both of them bring a very high floor. And Elko just won nine games last year at Duke. He, he's been very good there this year. I think he, he, he brings a, a knowledge of Texas A&M from being there as a defensive coordinator for four years. And after, if you look, when Elko left is when they really started to fall off. So I think he, he can do a very good job there. The question is, can he give them what they want, which is annual national title contention? And with A&M, it's such a weird thing because they have every resource you could possibly want. They have the location. They have a passionate fan base. They have all of the stuff, but they cannot seem to get over the hump. And I, I honestly don't know what the, the pedigree of the coach is who gets them over the hump. I think there's a little bit of a crapshoot involved there. But I love what Elko did at Duke. I love that he's a defensive guy that isn't afraid to have a creative offense. And I think that, you know, that's probably the difference between him and Mark Stoops, where Mark Stoops is a very good coach, great recruiter, would have gotten really good players at Texas A&M. But in 11 seasons at Kentucky, Mark Stoops has never seemed to want to let the offense kind of let its freak flag fly. And so I don't, like, you have to be adaptable on both sides of the ball to win at the highest, highest level. See, that's seems what Kirby Smart does. That's what Nick Saban does. I think Elko might be able to do that. I was going to say, excuse me, Andy, like, it's reasonable the way you lay that out. And if they had held these guys up side by side and made that decision, that'd be one thing. But how did they get halfway down the aisle with Stoops before that thing changed? Exactly what changed? I think what happened was people started looking at the contract. Because here's the thing. Kentucky's the best job in America. Like, they pay Mark Stoops an average of $9 million a year over the term of this deal, which he signed through 2030. Average of $9 million a year is 75% guaranteed. So it would be like, if you fired him today, it would be $45 million buyout. Well, assuming you're, you're going to get a little more because you're, you're changing jobs, I would imagine the people at A&M 
at the end of the day, looked at the contract and said, this looks awfully familiar. This looks like the contract we just bought out. Are we sure we want to do this again? And you don't have to do that with Elko. He doesn't command that. I think the only thing more amusing to me, Andy, than you saying that Kentucky is the best job in America is that I have no comeback for that. I think you're right. I think given I what it is. Right, because <laughs> it's He's amazing, right? And, five, and they're not trying to fire him. All these other jobs that pay like that, if, if you don't win 10 or 11 games, you're, you're gone. No, he can say as long as he wants, as long as he wins 10 games. So that, that, that is really something. What about the Indiana job? Who do you think ends up with the Indiana job, and how attractive a destination would that be? I, it's, it's in the Big Ten, so it becomes very attractive because of the money. It's an incredibly hard job that just gets even harder because the Big Ten is adding four really good programs in, in Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA. So you're, you're going to go there, and you're going to get paid – but you go there with the assumption that you're probably going to get fired and bought out at a certain point. So uh, you've you got to work miracles at Indiana to win consistently. Uh, one one good guy who's been there, who's a good young coach, who I think might have a good shot at that job, is uh, Kane Womack at the University of South Alabama in Mobile. Uh, he was an assistant under Tom Allen at Indiana, did a really good job as their young defensive coordinator, has shown himself to be a very good young head coach. So I think he, he might have a good inside track on that job. So what do you think about Jonathan Smith going to Michigan State? Love it. Love that hire. Jonathan Smith's teams at Oregon State played exactly the way you need to play to win in the Big Ten. And Michigan State is a much easier recruiting job than Oregon State. And I realize, I'm sure Jonathan Smith did not relish leaving his alma mater. But given the conference limbo that Oregon State was in, if a Big Ten program and, you know, Michigan State, you think about this, they won the Big Ten eight years ago. It's not like it's some distant memory that they can never compete in the Big Ten. Uh, they won 11 games two years ago. So if he does a good job, and look, the, the job he did in Corvallis, he was working miracles. So if he does what he did in Corvallis, he can turn Michigan State into a very competitive program in the Big Ten. I think that it's not a surprising hire, but I think it's a good hire. I think he's a hell of a coach. I'm a huge yeah. fan of Jonathan Smith. I think they got that one right. Andy Staples is a national college football host for On3. He has his own podcast, the Andy Staples On3 podcast, and also a good, good friend of the program. My man, next time we Zoom, great to have you back, Andy. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jim. The best. is so good. Andy Staples joining us. Working it.